All right, let's bring him on. Kyle Gibson uh, is joining us right now on FT Live. And first off, like we always like to do, Kyle, great to see you. Uh, congratulations, dude. You are among very, very few in this game to make it to 10 years. So we want to start there. Then we can get back to some some combos on who you'd rather face. But, dude, uh, what a week it's been. Take us through it. There you go. 10 years of service. We like to celebrate it on this show. Bring on just about every player that hits that mark. So how was the week? And are you looking back like, whoo, all right, I made it to 10. You know, uh, it's it's so surreal, honestly. Uh, it's, it's really talking to some guys. It's nothing that I actually set out to do. It wasn't a, a career goal per, t- per se. Um, I was talking to my wife a couple off seasons ago and just kind of looking back at the journey and she was a collegiate athlete. So she, she gets the competitive side. And I said, you know, I feel like all of us, you know, set out to have this 10, 15 year career. You know, we know it's going to happen. We're super confident in it. Um, but for me, I feel like there was always moments during my career where I was just kind of hoping that I would get through the year. I would hope that I'd get to the next year, hope that I make it through arbitration. Um, and there was always just a little bit of doubt, uh, in the back of my mind, you know, during certain times. So been a, a really cool journey to look back on and, and be able to share some of his experience with, with some of these young guys this year. Take me through the switch. Was it 17 that you told me about when you when you shortened your arm swing up? Was it the end of 17 going into 18? Uh, going into 17. So I battled uh, a shoulder injury all of 2016. Really kind of pitched through it because moving down the slope, my arm felt okay. Playing long toss, I couldn't go past 120 feet. So uh, getting ready for the season in 2017. Honestly, I thought I was going to need surgery to clean something up. Um, and thankfully, I called uh, an old pitching coach from Missouri who was with the Mariners at the time, uh, Brian DeLunis, and he said, hey, go see this guy in Florida, Randy Sullivan, at the Florida Baseball Ranch. And I did it, and it was career-changing. Uh, just the drills, the lower body stuff that, that he had me do to be more efficient down the mound. Um, you know, I left there with my arm feeling really good and cleaned up an arm path, and thankfully ever since, I've been feeling pretty good. I know that place. I know the baseball yeah. ranch here. Yeah, it's, it's not far from here, Scott. You should go. Take me. We I'm can, down. We can leave you They're there. They're not going to let me in by myself. I know. We, can leave, we can just take Scott and leave him there, Kyle. <laughs> can, can we get him locked in the shed? They have oh, yeah, I might come back and make it 10 years in the show. Who knows? <laughs> Love to have him. I guarantee it. Randy's an awesome guy. Hey, what was the – so what was the process, though? Because I, I, I'm interested – I'm intrigued by this, right? Because you had had success. I remember when we faced you in uh, 20 – 13-ish, 2014 with some teams that were like, man, this dude's got really good stuff. So what, what was, the, what was the, the thought process? I mean, other than your shoulder being sore, but how, how long does it take someone? Because most people you see like Lucas Giolito, right? He kind of shortened it really. He shortened it one offseason. How much work does it take to shorten your arm and change your arm after you've been doing it your whole life? Yeah, honestly, I, I panicked a little bit because this was around Christmas and I was coming off a really bad year in 2016. Uh, I was really focused on just trying to make the club out of sprint training. So when Randy said, hey, you're going to throw with this throwing sock on your arm and you're not going to actually throw a baseball until almost February 1st, I panicked. It was four weeks of weighted balls, and the weighted balls were more to help clean up the arm path, not to create velocity. And then there was a yellow ball that I put you know, right here in between my elbow uh, and my bicep, which helped keep my hand a little bit closer uh, to my ear. So when February 1st came around and it was the first time I threw a baseball past the throwing sock, um, I was glad that I felt good, but man, it was weird getting on the mound and and playing catch with a person. But I was still doing throwing drills with that yellow ball while throwing to a person. 
Um, but uh, probably not coincidentally, even though my stuff was good and my arm felt good, I just didn't have that arm path quite figured out. So eight starts into 2017, even though you know my velocity was good and my stuff was good, I had like an eight and a half ERA because when I got into a big situation in the fourth or fifth inning, I would kind of lose that delivery and boom, there's the first hanging slider of the day for a two or three and a homer. There's a, you know, a, a changeup that I leave up for a double in the gap. And I really kind of struggled in those big moments because I didn't have that delivery down quite yet. Um, but after I got called back up and, and worked on a few things, you know, it was thankfully smooth sailing for the rest of the year. But it was definitely a, a transformation and, and a process to get my mind to figure out without having to think about it. You know, this is my new delivery. This is my new arm path. And once I got that down, um, it tended to work out a little bit better. So I want to go through both that time period and I know you you battled um, a stomach issue from a trip that you took that I'd like to kind of rehash with you for a sec on some moments in your career where you were you worried about, you know, how your career would look after that point from what you're talking about here. And I believe it was 2019 when you dealt with ulcerative colitis, right? Yeah. So um, we had gone on a lot of mission trips to the Dominican and to Haiti. Uh, we had a, a family and a girl down there that we were sponsoring to get her through school and um, to get her through uh, a project that was basically like a boys and girls club, you know, compared to here in the States. Um, and every year we went down and visited that community and, and you know, see what they needed, see how we could help them. Um, so we kind of knew what not to eat, what not to drink, um, you know, kind of the whole spiel. Well, I came back and I had E. coli. Um, so the doctor was like, listen, you know, you have this kind of rarer version of it, so we can't give you any medicine, uh, because if we do that, it's going to unlock basically a toxin in the E. coli. Um, so I said, okay, well, let's just hang in tight here for a few weeks, which kind of stunk. But, uh, at the end of the month, you know, that was January 1st or 3rd, somewhere around there at the end of January, I still felt terrible. Um, so the twins said, Hey, we need to get you a, a scope. We need to get you to a doctor to see what's going on. And, and that's when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which essentially allowed that E. coli to kind of take place there and take hold in, in the Dominican and Haiti. But, um, yeah, that was a, a different kind of journey, you know, going through, you know, developing an autoimmune disease that, you know, kind of hangs out with you for the rest of your life. And you don't really know when it might flare up and, and uh, when it can kind of rear its nasty head. But, you know, thankfully, throughout the year of 2019, the first part, at least, I felt good. And then you know, really went through a stretch around all-star break on where I just wasn't sleeping. You know, I had lost 20 pounds um, without uh, getting into too much of the details for you guys. was just up all night, uh, not in bed, not able to sleep, unfortunately, in the bathroom. But, um, you know, lost 20 to 25 pounds and just wasn't myself. But, you know, the adrenaline and the, the rush that we all get when we play actually allowed me to feel good every five days when I was pitching. So, you know, it was pretty stupid doing that 20 pounds down, but that was the only time of the week that I felt good. So I wanted to keep pitching uh, until really I couldn't there in September. But, um, you know, it took me on a pretty interesting journey for 2019 and 2020, trying to find the right medicine. But, you know, thankfully I've had really good doctors there in St. Louis at WashU that have, you know, been able to, to find a medicine that have worked and kept me feeling good for the last few years. This is a credit to you, Gibby. Like this is like this is why we love having guys on that get 10 years because, you know, you see the whole celebration with you getting your – face smashed in cake that might have actually made your ulcerative colitis spring up you know you can't be can't be smashing your head in cakes but oh, oh we got it we have, oh, yeah. we have the video of you and hixie yeah man what a what another cool side of this just 
getting called up the same year as Hicksy with the Twins. You know, he made the team out of spring. I didn't. Um, you know, he got sent down in 2014. I was up all year, and then somehow 10 years later, we're one day apart uh, in service time. Just really cool to be able to do that and, and reconnect with him this year as, you know, we got him off of waivers, and um, that was a really cool moment for us. Yeah, so they're going to smash. There you go. Oh, is there this, it is. is I've, I've never thing? seen this before. Yeah, yeah. So, is this a thing? I, we we, we talked this, to all the tenure guys, and I didn't hear about this. So we do this for every birthday, actually. They started it last year. Uh, you know, we celebrate every, everybody's birthday. Uh, we sing happy birthday to them. And then, you know, uh, they get their face smashed in a cake as a uh, little, hey, you made it another year, so let's let's eat some cake. And then, thankfully, we have a cake that we actually get to eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Put their face on. Yeah, that's, that's really important because you can't just waste cake. Birthday no. cake is... Sometimes we try to cut the face out and eat the edges, you know, so that you, uh, you don't waste as much as possible. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. So your team really doesn't, it doesn't matter. They can, they're so young, they can all eat cake. When you're older, you can't eat a lot of cake. What is it, yeah. what is it like? What is it like being on this team and kind of compare it to last year's team? You know, I saw you in the clubhouse a lot when, when I was doing a little bit of stuff with the Phillies, seeing how that clubhouse is, compare the two. Yeah, this is a question I get quite a bit, you know, with the success we've had this year. Um, and if I can do it best, it would be take the ages of the number of guys, right? So we had a lot of veterans last year. We'll say it was 80% veterans and then 20% new guys. And then if you take that and you flip it this year, that's really what we got. We got 80% newer guys and 20% of the guys that have been around and have established themselves. But what I tell people is, <clears throat> you know, you take that Phillies team and how many just bona fide established studs they had. Um, you take this team in two to three years, you're going to have just as many household names. And I think people around baseball are realizing that. You know, Gunnar Henderson's going to be looked at as one of the best shortstops in baseball for years to come. You know, Adley Rutschman has established himself as, you know, maybe the best catcher in the American League, if not in the entire game. Uh, you look around the field, you know, those are the type of, of players that are going to be on this team for the Orioles for the next few years. And uh, I think. You know, once they really kind of gain that traction in their career, people are going to have a pretty good comparison between, you know, the 2022 Phillies and the 2023 Orioles. Kyle, uh, speaking of celebrations, and you had you talked about the tradition of smashing your face in cake. It's like you guys got married again. Homer hose. You started the Homer hose, right? <laughs> so how did the Homer hose start, and why don't pitchers get to drink from the Homer hose? You need to be like a shutout inning, shutdown inning hose or, or something because uh, – not only did you start Homer Rose, you started the sprinkler thing, right? So, so uh, I don't want to take credit for it. I was just the one that had to talk in the media because each day they did this, I was pitching. Uh, and the starting pitcher has to face the media every time, right? So, um, you know, they started the sprinkler in Texas during one of my starts, uh, and I had no idea what was going on. And then uh, they they start this Homer hose. It was Cole Irvin and, and another reliever that literally went to the store and bought a hose, taped it black and orange, you know, fashioned this funnel on the end. Uh, and then they started it. And here I am pitching. And I walk in afterwards and everybody's, you know, losing their mind on social media about the dong bong. And here I'm just thinking in my head, it's like, this is the first question I'm going to get after my start is I'm going to have to answer about this dong bong deal. <laughs> And, uh, you know, everybody during the dugout and everything had called it the Homer Hose. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. These guys, 
Um, it stems from a, a spring training thing with, with, you know, rookie talent show and, and uh, Adley and some of the guys. Um, and man, these guys just, it's, it happened organically. You know, they, they all bought into it and they all just having fun with it. So uh, there's no reason to stop it at this point. Yeah, but pitchers can't get involved. So you, you, I mean, you got to come up with something for pitchers because, you know, Eric and I are position players. We're all four pitchers. You know, they're special teams players. You guys are like kickers. You only play once when we need you guys. But, you know, you guys have to come up with your own celebration, right? Because, God forbid, you know, you go out and throw like a seven-inning shutout inning, you know, you, you go over to get a drink of water, and they're like, no, 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 you don't get to touch that. That's position players only. You know, that's a, a pretty good comparison there, AJ, because, you know, we are kind of like the kickers and the punters. You know, when we mess up, it's obviously a glaring problem. But when we do well, it's what we were supposed to do. You guys hit a homer as a position player, which is what you're supposed to do. And you guys get all these brand new celebrations. Like it's something that you did special, but, uh, no, that's right. See, that's right. Finally, a pitcher that embraces being a kicker. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. You're my new favorite player. Thank you. But basically kickers, you know, I mean, I guess that's how it goes. Oh, that's good. Well, I have a question, um, related to how you ended up here with Baltimore. So take me through the off season. What was the process like? And I remember, I don't know if you said this, I just have this in, in my weird notes that I take, or I read this from an article, um, but you got other offers, including one that I think was almost identical. So how did you end up with Baltimore? And if you can tell us now that it's passed already, like what was the other spot or spots? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I probably won't get into the other spots, um, but um you know, for me, it, I had a couple of really good conversations with, with Holty and, and Darren Holmes, the pitching coaches, and, um, you know, I really enjoyed that time talking to them and, and just how they attacked, you know, helping guys get better um, and, and helping guys through, you know, start-to-start process. And then I leaned on a couple of conversations with guys like Jordan Lyles and Robinson Torinos, you know, two guys that I play with in Texas, and um, asked them about their experience because, you know, coming off the World Series and, and coming off a team that, you know, was, was all in to win, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I was getting in a situation that, you know, they were ready to win, and which it seemed like, right, they were the best team in the American League, you know, at the end of 2022, you know, for the second half. And, and it just seemed like they were going in the right direction. And then just my conversations with Hyde and, and the staff, it really just seemed like, man, this is a team that's that's ready to go for it and, you know, has an amazing defense, has an amazing young core of players. Um and it just felt right. I know that sounds weird, but I've always loved playing in Camden. It was one of my favorite spots, you know, my first few years to, to be as a visiting player. I always enjoyed Baltimore, you know, spots to eat in Little Italy. Uh, once again, that sounds weird, but um, I just thought it was a place that my family was going to be comfortable in, and we were going to have a lot of fun playing the game. Kyle, I also envisioned the Baltimore Orioles doing something unique nowadays with their recruiting pitch to free agent pitchers, okay? So for years they played in one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks. Now that has changed thanks to some dimensional adjustments that have been made. So, you know, for example, if you get offers from Baltimore and like, I don't know, Miami or LA, something like that, right? Um, many pitchers would think twice, especially if they're like, hey, one-year deal, you know, I know how this works and I don't get judged completely on what the ballpark looks like. So did they send you a photo of Mount Baltimore and just say, does this help? <clears throat> Um, you know, that was part of their, part of their spiel, right? You know, playing in Citizens Bank for a year and a half, they said, Hey, uh, we think you're going to give up a few less homers here. Um, uh, <laughs> but you know, my, uh, my pitching strategy is not, you know, trying to find a place where I can give up fly balls and that they don't leave the yard, right? My pitching strategy is to keep the ball on the ground. So, 
I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, the AL East is, you know, a lot of hitter-friendly parts, but I feel like if I'm executing pitches and I'm keeping the ball on the ground, you know, those balls don't leave the yard. So, you know, find a few guys on the infield that can pick and get it to first and, and then find those guys in the outfield that really run it down, um, you know, like we got. And, and um, you know, throwing to Adley was another thing. I know that, you know, he's young and that might sound silly, but, you know, Robinson and Jordan both talked a lot, really highly on Adley. And, um, you know, that's something coming – Coming from throwing to JT, throwing to Trevino, you know, throwing to guys like Jason Castro and Kurt Suzuki, you know, those guys helped me out a lot. So, you know, that whole package was was really more of the pitch, uh, and the wall out in left field was was just part of it. Okay, so I don't know if you heard us before you came on, but we were talking about the Yankees, and they're in your division, obviously. But which hitter would you rather face? The guy who can once out of every you know two out of ten he hits at ninety five, or Luis Arise type that puts the ball in play, can get hits and put pressure on you. So it's interesting, you know, listening to that, even though I only caught the last couple minutes, I love these type of conversations, right? Um, you know, we've had uh, a couple different times where in Texas and in Philly, you know, a couple guys would ask either a hitting coach or, or an analytics guy, hey, come up with your ideal lineup, right? And then we would go through and we'd say, all right, we're going to put in guys with, you know, homers on one side, homers in power, but some swing and miss in, in their game. And then we're going to come up with a lineup of guys that are, um, you know, maybe not the high OPS, but they're higher average, you know, less swing and miss. And, um, you know, it's interesting to hear feedback of what guys want to face and what guys don't want to face. And then even hitting coaches, you know, who they want to coach and who they build their lineup on. Um, because I'm still in the game, AJ, I'm going to avoid this question. Oh, uh, come on. Hey, I'm, okay, gonna... I'm not saying, but no, because I, as a, I, I get it. I get it. I understand. You're still in the game. I understood. But that's okay. I'm going to rephrase it. This is what the media now, you know, since we're now media, Kratz and I, Gibby, this is what we do. We, we ask you the same question. We just word it differently. So if you had, if you're in throwing a shutout, you have a one nothing lead, runner on third, two outs. Would you rather face a contact guy or a guy who can hit a home run and make it two to one? Yeah, I mean, in that situation, right? All right, I'll go to a situation that we've had, and then I don't have. <laughs> you just see, you want to answer the guy. I love it. You got. <laughs> you just had to phrase it a little differently. And we're good, right? Uh, we had we had Larissa Luisa rise up at Baltimore, right? I think it was maybe second and third, and maybe even two outs. Um, and in that situation, uh, I don't know what Hyder had thought, but in that situation, you're actually kind of thinking, man, do we walk this guy? Like, do we do we give him a chance as a 385, 390 hitter at the time? Do we give him a chance? Uh, we pitched to him, and, and he hit a fly ball to left. But, you know, to your point, um, you know, a lot of pitchers I feel like would, you know, with the, that we talked to had kind of leaned on saying, you know what, I might give up three or four homers to this lineup, but I'm probably not going to have a lot of traffic. And if I can get to the swing and miss that day and I can execute pitches, then, you know, I might enjoy that lineup a little bit better. But, um, it's always it's always an interesting discussion to have because nobody wants to give up homers, right? Um, but the old adage that solo homers normally aren't going to beat you, you know, still kind of rings true uh, in most of those scenarios. Unless you but give up nine of them. Unless you, <laughs> unless you give up nine. <laughs> uh, or when you give up three, I give up three the other day. So you don't want to give up three either. So if you can avoid the three homer games, uh, that's good as well. But, it, you know, anytime you're facing traffic, uh, constantly on the bases, it's just not fun. You know, whether it's a, a contact hitter or a swing and miss guy at the plate, if you have a guy at second, there's a different strategy because you bounce the ball, now he's on third, 
Now you got a guy on third, a wild pitch is a run. We talk about it all the time. Uh, so whenever you have traffic on the bases, it's a whole lot different. So those guys create a lot of different troubles for pitchers. Kyle, I've got one more on my side. So I know you're friends with Lance Lynn. You guys have had great pitching conversations. He's on this show every couple of weeks. He's a fantastic interview. Great dude. So I just want to get your thoughts on uh, how you've seen his year go. Because I will say, because we've had some analytics conversations today, 10 years ago, he might not get coveted by a team because he had the worst ERA among qualified starting pitchers. The Dodgers are a damn machine. They look at him. They see other things. They're like, okay, this dude's better than than what the numbers have shown, and we can talk to him about some other strategies and pitch sequencing and stuff like that. And look, he's shoving for them. He's looking like you know one of their better pitchers now. So what do you think of, I guess, the way that we're evaluating pitchers on that front and how it can help a veteran like Lance change scenery and thrive again? Yeah, I mean, I think it can put things in perspective. You know, he was doing things that he had always done in his career. From what I've seen, he was getting a lot of swing and miss. He was still striking guys out. Um, and then you have some peripherals, right? I, I haven't looked into some of his analytics, um, but from talking to him, it just kind of seemed like maybe, you know, one inning was getting him. Uh, a few strong hits together at the wrong time was getting him. Um, you know, I heard AJ talking here before I came on, you know, about, you know, when you get your hit, right? I had a high school baseball coach that said that all the time. And it seems silly, but baseball is a game of when. When you get your hit, when you make your pitch really matters. And for Lance, it could have just been a stretch of, and it really stinks, but a stretch of 10 games where he just didn't make a pitch when he needed to or maybe the hitter really blooped it in when they needed to. And I know he had given up some some, some long balls as well, but um, you know, some of that, the analytics really allows you to keep things in perspective. You know, in the middle of the year, I really don't like looking at FIP, looking at some of these things, because at the end of the day, I don't want to give up runs. I don't really care what my FIP is in the middle of the year, because that doesn't tell me if I'm keeping runs off the board. Um, so I know for Lance, it was it was frustrating. Um, but I also know like he is a pitcher, man. And when you get him, maybe even a change of scenery was really good for him. Um, you know, you get him on a team that is that's leading the division and a competitor pushing for it. He always said in 2018, he started really slow. You know, he, he was late to camp, you know, because of just weird free agent stuff. He started saying in May and June to Odo and I, he's like, boys, don't let me get hot because I'm going to change. I'm going to be a different guy. And uh, he did. He got hot in 2018, got traded to the Yankees and and threw really well. But you, know, you let Lance, you let Big Bear, as we call him, you let Big Bear get on a roll. That guy, uh, that guy can elevate a staff and, and really carry a team every time he's on the mound. Part of the reason we have this show, Gibby, is like players can call other players out. All right. Just because you have a 10 years in the show, dog, don't be afraid to make your bed one time. You're on TV. <laughs> the bed in the background. I mean, come on. Nobody makes ten... their bed. Gibby, tell them nobody with 10 years makes their bed in the show. Kraft doesn't get it. Tell um, them, did you have maid? There's a maid that comes in and does that I'm, for you. Because you guys I'm, are where are you in Baltimore? You guys are in San Diego, right? San so you're. Diego. Yeah, you're either at the Omni or at the Hyatt. I mean, they got lots of maids there, dude. Tell them, Krause doesn't get it, dude. Ten years in the show, you take the Do Not Disturb off, and they come in and do it for you. Honestly, I'm just hoping I'm hoping that uh, my wife doesn't find this footage because, uh, you know, she not that she's on me to make the bed, but I try to make a point, right, when she's around to make the bed, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I let you guys down on that one. I was focused a lot more on trying to make sure I didn't have the camera going up into my nostrils and really <laughs> in the right height. Uh, and yeah, I, 
I looked behind me and was like, oh, you know what? It kind of looks like the pillow's in the right spot. Uh, and you found it. By the way, Kratzy, nice job, man. Yeah, good job, Kratzy. Yeah, way to call him out. <laughs> he, he can do whatever he wants this week. Right? Yeah, it's like exactly. his birthday week. Yeah, it's 100%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dang, it only, this only happens once, though. So it's better than a birthday it's week. It's better than a birthday happen. week. Hey, Gibby, before you go, can you tell uh, Scott Braun, since you don't look at FIP and XFIP and WOBA and all that other analytical I'm stuff? I'm just like super can, analytics. Can you, can you just tell him that, that wins still matter to pitchers and oh, then stop. you can go make don't your Don't make it a thing. You're going to be a get off my lawn guy if you keep doing that. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to protect you. You know, there's, right, AJ, there, there's a side of it, right? Like, you know, if I look at my full season here, all right, I was just doing it the other day. I looked and I was like, gosh, you know, whatever the wins and losses are, you look at the 4A ERA and you're just like, man, that's. That's brutal, right? And then when you, you know, I went in to talk to the analytics guys maybe a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, hey, what if I do this and that? Um, and then I leave the meeting. I'm like, man, when I look at the peripherals, it's actually okay. Like the exit velocity is less than it normally is, this and that. So you can find ways to, to look around things, which is good and bad, right? You know, we want to, whereas competitors, we never want to give up runs. But I mean, if I take away one team that I've pitched against this year, uh, things look a whole lot different. What team? What team? Wait, what Mariners. team? Uh, the Mariners. I've given oh. up like 16 runs in eight innings or something. They just got my <laughs> number right now. Um, but analytics can can give you a little bit different view. So yes, wins, keeping your team in the game, uh, winning the game matters at the end of the day, right? If you give me if you give me seven innings of five runs and we win nine to five, I'm in most days, right? It's going to be frustrating, but I'm in. You give me eight and three runs and we lose three to one every game, it's not going to be fun. You don't want to lose. That's for sure. Yep. So maybe it should be more of a team stat. Which is what I pitcher. always say. Like a team, if he starts, the team is whatever. <laughs> but that you know what? No, I'm serious. Hey, yeah. I mean, you know, this, you know this as well as anybody. We talk about this in the locker room. Starting pitchers have a unique role, even though you think of us as kickers. Uh, starting <laughs> pitchers have a unique role, right? If we're really good that day, we're probably going to win. Yeah. If we're really bad, we're probably going to lose. It's in the middle where, like, like a kicker starts, right? It's like a kicker. <laughs> so if a kicker has a really bad day, the football team usually that loses. That is not true at yes, all. It no, it's not, dude. It's so, remember, it's, ask the guy in the Super Bowl. No, remember the game last year um, where the dude kept missing the extra points? What was it, the Cowboys game where they beat the crap out of some team? No? Yeah, they got, got released, like, game? right after. Yeah, no. but what, wasn't he that did. for the winning really team? Yeah, he got released right after. I know, but the so game, yeah, really they bad won day. the game. Do you guys – wait. Any that's of what he was saying, people? though, but that's what he was saying. He's what? saying, like, if I go seven and give up five and we win nine to five, I'm happy. Right? So maybe yeah. we should look at team record when, when Gibson, Kyle Gibson starts, right? What, what are the Orioles when he starts? And if he's 22 and eight when he starts in his 30 starts, hell, he had a hell of a year for the team. I like that. I like you're on to something, Gibby. Screw what Scott says. If if I can go out there and we win twenty plus in my starts, I could care less if I have five wins or fifteen. You know, I want to be high fiving at the end of the game. You know, and that's just that's really it. Because the more you do that, I told these guys one time we we had a rough road trip. Uh, we lost to a couple teams that that were playoff teams. Um, and the homestand before, I think we might have beat a couple teams that weren't. I said, guys, listen, baseball does not care who you beat and who you lose to. If you win 90-plus, 95-plus games, you're in the playoffs. doesn't matter who you, who you beat and who you lose to. So go out and win as many games as possible. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really the end, of the end of the day. You want to be high-fiving and, and playing that winning song, no matter how you pitch, no matter how you play. All right, last one for me. Sorry, real quick. Where's your ring? Where's your ring now? The ring right now is in the, the townhouse in Baltimore. 
Um, you know, it's going to be going back to St. Louis. I haven't kept a whole lot of things. Um, you know, I've got a few things from the All-Star game. Uh, Elizabeth got me a, a signed base uh, for a birthday present from Minnesota one year. Um, that was cool. I've got a few things that I've kept, uh, you know, uh, first win, stuff like that. That'll go on that shelf. Um, it's, it's really cool. That's a pretty special thing. And I uh, can't thank the Phillies enough for how they presented that and everybody being on the bench. That was that was a really cool evening and a really cool moment. So that one will be on the shelf and uh, and be looked at a little bit. So okay, so I mean, I, I get it. It's a it's a it's a pennant ring, right? But does it mean the same as a World Series ring? No, come well, on. I'm just that's asking a, because that's a layup question. Yeah. No, I know, but but yeah, uh, Crouch is like, "Where's your ring?" I'm like, "Wait, did he? They didn't win. When did he? I know he was on the Phillies no. last year, but I was like, I, I appreciate it." Right, you know, we were we were talking there in Philly, and you know, the ring is sweet, right? It's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's better probably than I mean, some and top series rings. It's, and, yes, it is. They no always problem. say, "How's that ring?" And I say, "Man, it's pretty cool." They're like, "Only way, only one way, it's better." And you know, it said it says champions are World Series champs, so uh, no doubt, right? Um, you know, a lot of that stuff I feel like we keep. You know, we have is is really for our family, really for our kids to maybe look at. Um, you know, I don't, I don't keep a game ball just so that I can have it right. I don't keep a pair of cleats so that I can have it and, and look at it. Um, you know, cool things for, for family to reminisce a little bit. But, um, you know, that team will be connected, you know, forever, right? Even though we didn't win it, you know, still having the chance to, to relive those memories and, and have a season where halfway through the season we were expected to finish maybe third or fourth, and, and then you end up squeaking in the playoffs and, and making a push. So still memories, but uh, it'd be better if it said World Series champs. No, listen. Hey, I respect, much respect, because most people don't even get that opportunity. So, yeah, listen, I'm all for it. And you know what? The Phillies were fun as hell to watch last year, and they made a great run in the postseason. And I was at the game they got rained out, so thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he caused that. Well, now he's on another good one. Kyle, watch a jump, man. Congrats again, and enjoy this ride with Baltimore. We'll be watching you in October, and hopefully you grab that ring this time, dude. Yeah, thankfully. Hopefully, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Next time, uh, this right here, wherever the <laughs> is, I'll make sure this bed's made up, and, and I'll give you guys a little bit better background, so I'll be a little more professional. Sorry about that. No, off-season, <laughs> we'll get the ring. We'll have the made bed. It's going to be fantastic yeah. in the off-season. We'll talk to you in, like, November or December. Right, Kyle? <laughs> cool. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Gibby. That was awesome. Uh, congrats again to Kyle Gibson of the Baltimore Orioles hitting 10 years of service time. Great conversation, too, on a number of fronts. If, you wanna, if you're just joining us right now in the live chat and you want to look back, um he was Baltimore, awesome yeah he's like, awesome. i mean most of the guests we have are awesome but he really dug into some stuff and he had fun with it he was laughing and just having a great time i mm-hmm. mean it was it was solid i mean you know i i hate to make fun of a, a, a you know a, you know a national league championship because it's special but uh, just the way i'm sorry it was more a minute crafts because he's like where's your ring and i was like i had to go on my computer real quick i'm like wait he didn't win a world series so that's why i was confused so sorry second Kratz, place was- second place rings no i i get it and he, I think he answered it exactly how I would answer it. Like you win it, and you're like, you could. The the way I see rings is if you're wearing your second place ring somewhere, and somebody has a World Series ring, even if it's ugly like the White Sox World Series <laughs> ring, you have to take your ring off. So True. it's all about the tiers of rings. If you have a World Series ring, you can wear it with other guys' World Series rings. You know, in in the room. If you have a second place. If you have a National League championship ring and somebody has a championship, minor league championship ring, minor league championship ring, got to take it off. Like, you can't – I don't wear thing? rings. I don't wear rings, so they're just in boxes. But it's, but 
It is an accomplishment. There was an S on the end of that, in case you didn't catch it. Boxes. Is. I mean, are minor league championship rings a thing? They actually give them out, yeah. Yeah, of Not course really. they do. Yeah, you I want to reward your one. players for, for learning how to win in the minors and bring that up. That's actually the things you should reward. Like Not you, the dumbass game that the Yankees ring. are doing with their minor leaguers. 